Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. Welcome, welcome. Benzinga Cannabis Hour. We have a kick-butt lineup today. I'm excited about it. We're going to learn a little bit, which is exciting for me always. Elliot, what you got? What are you looking at today? This is awesome. Um, You know... I mean, tons. So first of all, if you guys haven't been, please tune into Cannabis Daily. I host it every day. Patrick steps in for me every now and then. He does okay. Um, (laughs) It's a lot of fun. We're talking about cannabis public news and stock picks. Every morning releases 10 a.m. at Benzinga.com slash podcasts. All right, 10 a.m. Anyway, uh, saw a ton uh, of stuff this morning, really market-focused. Um, so New Jersey has been a big topic of discussion recently, Arizona, New Mexico. Uh, these are all, you know, that's where the conversation is right now is more at a state level. Um, because we had so much news around earnings. My God, we had so much news in Q2. We saw a lot of companies, um, acquire like maybe like a few new dispensaries or open a few new dispensaries or, um, you know, things of that nature. It wasn't as busy, we'll say, highlight-wise, but mm-hmm. the revenue continued to go up. Uh, we continued to be trading at lo- lower times than we should be in this industry. Um, so it's it's something that we're still moving forward, and we're hoping the market catches up soon. Should we start there? Aaron, can you pull up uh, TCNNF, Trulief? I'm just curious. I want to see what this is at. I haven't looked at it since earlier this morning, and I'd love to see where they are. Um, perfect example, right? You've got companies making waves. We all know this nearly $2 billion investment uh, and acquisition, really, uh, of Harvest Health and Recreation is coming, right? We got the positive reinforcement. And, you know, you take what analysts say with a grain of salt, right? But you got the positive reinforcement from Pablo Zwanich and the Cantor team when they come out and say, hey, we had a great call with Kim. we're, We're consistent in that we feel like the stock is overweight, um, we think now's the time to buy and they're setting like a 50 over $50 price target and the stock's sitting at, at under 27 bucks. I mean, right. It's insane. Uh, to yeah. Me. Now, and again, I'm no recommendations, no recommendations here, but I think what's important to note is that you look at a stock like this and you say, we're, we're, we're trading lower and there's plenty of reasons for that. Right. As, as people play the market and shorters are out there and you see what happens to these guys, but but you got to be looking for when the other shoe's going to drop, right? We can talk about legalization. We can talk about interstate commerce and who's going to have the footprint, the distribution to really win that game when it's a game to play, right? But, but for those folks who are well, just getting better. Yeah, that's Sorry what I mean. To interrupt you. Like uh, they yeah. hit triple digits. 
triple digit dispensary 100 they hit 100 was it today yesterday regardless that's 100 and are they the first to hit that number patrick i i don't know i would be i'd be talking out of my butt if i tried to say that but it, but it probably at the rate that they've opened them i i would say if they're not then they've got to be a close second. Well, uh, Tony, what's up, man? Always good to have you tune in. But you do bring up an important point that I think we just we need to attack head on here. Any news of the husband? Here's my thought about that. And Patrick, I feel like you're going to back me up here. Um, Probably. It really doesn't but... have anything to do yeah. <laughs> with the operations of Truly. Yeah. Um, they have. And, well, and listen, this is we're, we're not TMZ, right? So, so I, Tony, I love you. Thanks for being here, man. But, but you know. We, we, we like to look at the companies. We like to look at the financials. We want to see mm-hmm. the performance of the stock, how it's, how it's trending, what's happening behind the scenes, news that affects the operations of the company, right? So, I mean, maybe, maybe you guys know uh, something we don't know, but at least, you know, as of this moment, I know nothing that links those two things, right? Yeah. Well, um, I think they've been pretty upfront. Um, Regardless, I'm so excited to talk to uh, Steve. Uh, first of all, I'm very excited to talk to Scott about insurance in this industry because I'm such a newbie and baby in that that I'm, I'm excited to understand a little bit more about what these companies go through. But the Arizona market, $21 million uh, in tax revenue in July yeah. From, yeah. from marijuana. Now, I'm anxious to hear, um, you know, I want to ask Scott, or I'm sorry, Steve, uh, you know, if, if that's expected, if that's lower than expected, how that's going to grow. Uh, I think it's all, all of those are super interesting questions for us to understand, uh, both for Curaleaf, but other, other companies like Vext, like Item 9 Labs. Uh, I, I think that's a market that could be huge for a company like Item 9 Labs. I think so, too. Well, and just a couple other things that I'm looking at today, just briefly, we've got a couple more minutes left of, of news before we bring Scott Foster on from NFP. Um, uh, Tilt Holdings, right? I don't know if you talked about them this morning uh, and their Q2 rev increasing 33% to about 48.5 million bucks. Gary Santo, I think, has done a great job. Yeah, you talk about job. folks coming in and leading a turnaround. It definitely seems like the ship's moving in the right direction. He's a he's a prophet of lean, mean, um, you know, uh, uh, machinery when it comes to the way he organizes a company, right? You saw what he did at Columbia Care before he came over. So I'm excited to see where they go. Shout out to uh, Polaris Equity Group as well on their deal with, I believe with it was it? Item 9. Item right? 9 Labs, but right? it was Nevada focused. So that That's was, okay. uh, yeah, 19 uh, million, I think. 19 million uh, bucks. I, I, Polaris is, it, because they're not public, right? I don't think they're in the spotlight as much. But the assets that they've got and the, I mean, all these REITs have a ton of deal flow, right? They just have a ton right now. Everybody's looking to, to try to make some sort of transaction in that space. But um, you guys take a look at that one. Go look up Polaris mm-hmm. Equity Group. If you don't know them, take a look, especially as you're looking to diversify your portfolio and looking at, you know, alternative strategies. That's an interesting one, right? Well, these so, real estate plays in general. I think are yeah. interesting. I mean, even outside IIPR, if you don't want a large cap stock to buy, you know, the, these real estate plays, look at New Lake, you know, you know, look at Polaris, look at Viridescent, you know, these real estate yeah. plays are super interesting entrances to this. Ooh, another, another good one, Viridescent. You're talking mm-hmm. about our pals, Kevin Murphy and Christine Rigby and the, the REIT that they're building oh, out. Um, yeah. Yeah. That a lot of, a lot of capital experience there. Um, when it comes to cannabis and otherwise, right? So interesting stuff. What else? I mean, we saw the the results Ooh. out of out of Jushi. So uh, you Jushi, know, they, I mean, incredible yeah. year over year results. 
Um, so props to them. I think a lot has to do. They've really put the pedal to the grindstone. Did I get that saying? Pedal, right? Not at all. Not nope. at all. <laughs> nope. Pedal, pedal to the grindstone. Not a thing. I don't think. <laughs> they're, they're going forward very quickly yep. Yep. Uh, and, and expanding their brand beyond Hello. So I think they, they now have, I think, 13 dispensaries in Pennsylvania. Uh, they've really put an emphasis on that market. Um, you know, Virginia, we watch that market closely and they're, uh, they're going to be, I think, I think they've started the conversation for recreational, uh, pedal to the metal. <laughs> I can't take this guy anywhere. Javi, where are Javi? Come on, Javi. You need, we need you on here so that you can give us the right euphemisms, please. That would be pedal great. to the grindstone. I'm going to make that a thing. I'm saying it from here on out. I'm sticking by my incorrectness. Here we oh, are, no. pedal to the grindstone. Oh, um, no. So one thing I do want to point out uh, is, is something that I've been really just baffled by. People are not as excited, in my opinion, about Terrasend in the New Jersey market as I feel Say more. like they should be. Say more. So everybody, so I saw a note, I forget which analyst, I think it may have been Needham or, or Cantor, I don't know, it was an analyst, um, but it was, a, it was a reputable one saying, the, the ones that are the winners right now are GTI and Air. Two wonderful companies, two companies that are going to do very well in New Jersey. But to me, when Terrasend became the sole exclusive operator and partner to cookies in the New mm -hmm. Jersey market, mm -hmm. that that was huge. Yep. You know, they may not have the... Uh, they I mean, I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other if they do. But they, might, they may not have a comparable footprint to GTI or Air in New Jersey. I know Air has been... Uh, rolling that state up recently, but Cookies is the only successful brand in this space right now it, to to a domestic international level. So I, that's tough, right? I mean, uh, only successful. I don't know. I don't know, but but it most successful. I, I mean, think you could definitely argue, right? I mean, what Burner's done rolling that that product out, that brand line out, and making it so premium. Right. So but but also so uh, um, uh, achievable. Right. In all these different markets. I, I think it's really awesome what see, he's done. It's not that brands, though, can't be successful. We see it with cookies. But I think until we get to a spot where people are buying brands of cannabis for their quality and consistency versus just access to cannabis. And that's the brand that they bought last time. I don't think we've seen that shift yet, except yeah. for cookies. So the fact that Terracent in New Jersey, Gage in Michigan, uh, Candoc in Israel, I mean, I'm sure there are tons of others. Next Green Wave is a partner in California. These are huge partnerships for these companies. And I think Terracent has a huge opportunity right now. And while we're I on agree. the topic of Terracent, the Cantor Fitzgerald clarification just, it gave me a nice little tickle um, in terms of the townships. And Terracent was like, no, no, we're fine. And Cantor's like, you're right. You are fine. Yep. So yep. anyway, that's a very quick summation of yep. that. If you don't know, uh, you know, uh, look it up or, or we'll shoot you a few links. But uh, I think Terrison is a little, little undervalued right now in, you know, with their New Jersey market. I like that. I think that's, it's, it's pedal you the metal or nose <laughs> to the grindstone. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Um, Tom is with us. I appreciate you being on my here, side. Somebody no, zero me. people, zero Pedal people. Maybe Javi. Javi might be on your side. Um, listen, I, I think that's that's it for now. Let's come back to news. But I think I think there's a lot more to discuss, especially with you know uh, like Soul Global investing in in our pals, common citizen here in Michigan. I think that's really cool. 
another cool company. Let's let's come back to that in a second. Let's go ahead and bring over our first guest, Scott Foster from NFP. Come on over, brother. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Appreciate Scott, it. doing yeah. well, man. Good to have Glad you. Glad to have you, man. Glad to have you. So Senior Vice President of Risk Management at NFP. Here's what I want to start with, Scott, right? Normally, this is a show for for investors to learn about companies in the space, investment opportunity. One of the cool things I like to do every once in a while is bring on a company like you guys to help us understand what it is these companies need to succeed, right? What it is they have to have to run their businesses effectively, to protect their downsides, to do all kinds of stuff, right? You guys are smack in the middle of that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and about NFP? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the names that you mentioned, just kind of in the first 15 minutes, we interact with on a daily basis. Um, I, I'm responsible for our life science and healthcare practice corporately for NFP. Um, NFP is a full service insurance brokerage consulting firm. We handle everything in that risk and health continuum all the way through retirement services and personal lines. Um, I'm operating in that commercial space one of the largest and fastest growing segments within our life science practice is the cannabis segment. Um, and who we interact with is, as I mentioned, a lot of the folks that you kind of commented on in, in regards to M&A activity, product liability, are we worried about directors and officers, um, you know, class action derivative type claims from investors? How are we managing business continuity practices? And that's supply chain. Um, the industry as a whole really is going through that maturization process and insurance is trying to keep up with it. Um, we see ourselves as consultants and advocates for the industry. One of our big pushes really or strategy has been is to bring insurance solutions that normalize kind of the industry and those offerings similar to CPG similar to pharma, similar to nutritional supplement, and allowing these cannabis um, operators to realize those same offerings and protecting not only their assets, but also investors in, in, in protecting kind of that human capital, et cetera. So that's, that's where we're focused. Awesome, dude. And so when it comes to, to where your practice goes, right, are you guys national you know, what, what, what markets are you hottest in right now? Where are you seeing the most action? So we're, we're definitely not only a domestic kind of U.S. brokerage firm, but international, um, 350 offices, U.S., Canadian offices, U.K. Um, so we're supporting some of the largest MSOs on not only the domestic, but also the international front with some of those acquisitions. You can guess who those are. Um, but the marketplace, it's really following where you're seeing the same investments. Like we're doing a ton in Michigan as people are evaluating the new license state and roll-ups. We're managing those. We're managing big integrations that you even commented on earlier. So we're following those, those markets as, as growth goes. So, Scott, let's back up a little bit if you don't mind. I'd love to kind of pretend me to be a newbie in the insurance sector. <laughs> I surely sure. am. Um, I'd love to understand what you do for these companies specifically versus why insurance is still such an issue in the cannabis space. And if you could clear that up a little bit for me in terms of how you're able to do it. It's, it's supply and demand, right? It's, it's 
the limited participation of insurance companies is really driving um, the cost and the spend in, in being that bigger issue for a lot of these operators. Um, there's a handful of companies, insurance companies that do a, a sufficient job in the space. And really that's driving or dictating a lot of the coverage terms, pricing, as well as giving them that leverage to limit the coverages. Um, what we've been doing actively, not just for our clients, but the industry as a whole is using our size, using our knowledge and relationships to try to introduce new insurance companies into the space and help you know satisfy that demand. Um, a lot of these companies are underinsured just because there isn't you know enough capacity to satisfy what they need. And it, that's, that's troublesome, right? You have a, a company that has a facility. It might be valued at $200 million. They only can secure insurance for a hundred million mm -hmm. where a pharmaceutical company has that insured for 200 million. So investors need to understand this as well, because those are uninsured assets. If you have a claim or if there's a storm, um, that's going to interrupt these, these folks businesses and have a significant impact on revenues and in operations as a whole. Has so, that happened, Scott? Like, have, uh, like it, can you give us an, an instance or maybe not name someone specifically, but can you help us understand how that would work? Yeah, I mean, there's a limitation right now in terms of name storm. So if there's a hurricane that goes through one of these critical states, such as Florida, uh, there's definitely a limitation on how much insurance is going to be available to some of these larger operators. And wow. that limitation be, you know, five or $10 million dollars that that's all the insurance potentially could pay out for a facility that could be well north of a hundred million, especially with fully integrated states, right? It not only is impacting that facility, but your whole supply chain. That's so those right, are things ahead. we're tackling. Yeah. I, I just wanted to ask a quick follow-up question as well. So we're, we're missing, uh, we're missing, you know, we'll say competitors, but we're missing other insurance companies because there's too much to handle right now for the amount of insurance company and providers in the space. So, you know, once federal legalization happens, will there be a wave? That's, it, yeah, it's similar to what I went through a decade ago in the nutritional supplement space. Like carriers didn't understand it. And it took a lot of folks um, on the brokerage community side to educate. And that's what we're doing is trying to educate as many um, carriers so that when they do enter into this marketplace, there isn't a lag. We're anticipating like a two to three year lag once it's legalized for more mainstream insurance companies to come on and participate. And that's because they need to understand the business from an actuarial and underwriting, right? That's how they make their money is understanding the risk. There's going to be a learning curve there. Just like there's any no operator. risk in cannabis, man. Yeah. Come on. No risk here. Just kidding. Um, so, so, okay. So at what stage do you guys get involved? Um, you know, are you, are you involved with a company the minute they decide they're going to purchase a license and you're there from the beginning? Are you involved once the license is purchased and the build out's happening? Do you guys get involved when it's like, okay, we could have all of that. And now we need insurance to cover it before we can move in all our, our, our inventory. What part of the process are you are you jumping in? No, great question. Um, we're participating in all phases. Um, we start consulting early stage, 
um, even if it's just really a thesis, right, on a whiteboard about a family office or, or, or license holder or individuals trying to pursue a license, we'll start there with them and help them throughout kind of that life cycle of their business um, all the way through commercialization, all the way through kind of late stage largest MSOs in North America, kind of formalizing risk management strategy. We, we deploy different assets kind of at these different levels to make sure that we're meeting their needs. Um, but I personally like to start as early on because not only do we align them with the chassis from a risk management, but also we can help them in terms of consulting and facilitate introductions, et cetera, to help them navigate that process, um, not just from an insurance perspective. Awesome. Now, I know, Scott, you're a part of our Benzinga Cannabis Alliance, right? Um, so I want to give you an opportunity to um, to talk about, you know, what you plan on doing there, how you plan on connecting with the Benzinga audience when it comes to the dispensaries and cannabis companies that that we're working with and that that are that make up our readership here, right? Anything that you want to tell us about that? No, the alliance. I mean, we're we're excited about participating with the alliance. It's giving us that critical mass and it's helping unifying you know that buying power of this collective group um, that helps facilitate kind of those things that we've been trying to do like get more carrier engagement um, help alleviate some of the pricing pressure so it's it's allowing us to unify this purchasing group allowing us to kind of really move the ball forward and drive you know results so these operators can focus on growing their business and not have to worry about how they're being gouged on their insurance or lack of insurance. Well, and so, um, so it's kind of a direct reaction. And, I, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it, it seems like it kind of counteracts what you just talked about a, a few minutes ago about the fact that there's so few players in the insurance category in this market that there's not a, there's not a ton of price competition right now, right? Which means higher prices, for, for a lot of the companies that are, are obviously needing to buy those policies, right? So something like the Alliance can be useful when it comes to unifying, as you put it, that collective buying power, right? Absolutely. So the more data and the more organized we can get, I think helps us influence um, insurance company behavior and participation. And the more data I personally can gather it gives us a, a bigger picture too to help have those conversations with the travelers and the chubs of the world that aren't currently participating in cannabis. And we help them with that education so they can get comfortable and familiar with the industry um, so they're ready to come in and participate when it does go federally legal. So when it does, I mean, how far away number is, can you put a number to it on how far away we are from normalization, like to a standard industry, say biotech or. Yeah, um, we, we, yeah, we execute that benchmarking um, actually all the time, especially for some of the larger MSOs. They want to understand kind of where they're at compared to some of them. Um, we've actually gotten some of our large MSO, you know, billion plus revenue companies to almost that MSO, um, almost to that consumer goods type level in terms of pricing. Hmm. Um, I would anticipate based on what we've been doing to be really there for, for a broader group of our clients within the next, you know, eight to 12 months. Wow. That was a lot sooner than I thought. You yeah. Same, same. 
Um, okay, so here's the thing, Scott. I want to take out a million dollar policy on Elliot because I'm going to see him soon. You know what I mean? And oh, sure. You know, I may want to cash that in. At some I'll see point. you guys later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, this has been great. I really appreciate it because I think understanding the intricacies of of how something like insurance could affect uh, a company and affect obviously the investors involved in mm-hmm. that company is really really unique to this industry, right? And I and I think it's it's very interesting to figure out how how all of that works. And obviously, you know, Florida, you picked a state, right? Name storm. A lot, a lot of interesting companies could be affected by something like that in that state alone. And we know that's not the only thing that insurance protects against, right? A- absolutely. California, here, wildfires, right? Mm-hmm. Same same situation. I hear that that is a problem out there. Yeah, we, we're burning. So um, yeah. it's, it's an issue. So yeah, anything within so, that continuum, happy to help. Well, you know, talking to our investors now, they're doing research. How can they find if one of their investment potential potential investments is insured? You know, is there a way for them to look at their site and see that? I'm curious, how can a standard investor, an everyday investor, go about finding that information? We we try to review um, and participate in the earnings calls and understand those disclosures in terms of some of the liabilities. They'll be addressed there in some of the earnings reports. Um, if they do, you know, announce it, like they'll identify, you know, product liability potential issues or wildfire issues um, that could impact kind of their their distribution. Same thing in, in regards to some of these name storms, the cultivation sites. Um, outside of that, it's really an unknown. You really need to trust the operators of those companies to be um, purchasing sufficient programs and structuring the, the risk management, mitigating risk overall. We just got a question in the chat, Scott. Is NFP publicly traded or are you guys private? No, we're privately held. We're um, backed by private equity. Awesome. So solar up. Just call yeah. Scott, write him a check. We'll figure this out. Okay. Absolutely. We'll cover it on Benzinga. We'll break the news. Um, awesome. Well, Scott, I really appreciate you being here. Um, where do people reach out to you guys if they are interested in learning more? No, we, you can find us on, on the web, you know, www.nfp.com. Um, my contact information's on there underneath the, the life science and healthcare practices. And um, if you have any questions, you can, you can find that channel um, and happy to help. Awesome. Well, Scott, listen, awesome. thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. Uh, maybe we'll see you in New York at, at, at our next big shindig on October yeah. 14th and 15th, man. Looking forward to it. Let's thanks, do gentlemen. it, Scott. Thank All right. you, sir. Right, appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Interesting. Yeah. I honestly, it's not something I think about a lot. Insurance in the cannabis, really in any space, but to understand its importance cannot be understated. No, geez. I mean, I, I, I wasn't even going to go there, but I think what he said about Florida was very telling. And to understand that a lot of those companies down there, who, I mean, you know, some some in the multiple, multiple dispensary level, right, um, may have an issue if there's only 5 to $10 million available for cleanup or mm-hmm. refitting or rebuilding or anything like that, that, that would need to happen. Right. My After God. an event, like, I mean, knock on wood, no one ever has to deal with that. Right. Yeah. But that's why insurance companies are there. And obviously as an investor, I, I have never thought about, you know, what that could mean for, for the stock if something like that were to happen, but it's, it's definitely to ringing my bell. The, the, the long-term effect for loans as well. 
you know, for these sale leasebacks for building of properties uh, in Florida. I mean, obviously it hasn't stopped, you know, the industry, but I'm curious, like, uh, you know, how much they would normally demand insurance wise on that um, in a standard industry versus what they demand now in cannabis. Yeah, there is this, a difference. So, uh, Aaron, put Zach's comment up here. I think that that's super interesting. Zach, if you have any more color on that, I, I had heard the same thing. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but he says, I think Lowell is still working on trying to collect from insurance claims from fires last year, right? So especially, I mean, we talk all the time about how California is a giant, giant market. Many of the larger MSOs have have not gone there or gone there very sparingly, right? Uh, in terms of establishing footprint. Um, there's more that we're going to talk about that uh, when it comes to our conference in October. But, but those wildfires are no joke. And it definitely seems like it's a, a yearly thing now. And, and then again, as an investor, and you're looking at balance sheet, you're looking at cash flows, you're looking at, at um, everything that goes into your mm -hmm. decision to invest. And if Lowell's still looking at, at trying to collect from, from insurance from last year, that's got to be straining, right? That's got to be something that is not easy to deal with when it comes to, to, to running your company. Right? If that's last year, that was prior to Indus merging. Right. Must have been. Well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, must have been. Must have and been. And this was this year, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's come back to that. Maybe we'll get George on here and yeah. ask him um, how it's going or, or um, yeah, we'll, we'll get George on here. But listen, we, 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 we should jump into our next guest and then maybe cover some more news at the end. Zach, thanks for the, the comment. That was really interesting. Um, Elliot, you want to do the honors? Oh, let's do it. I am very excited. So we've had many guests from this company on, uh, but we are tackling a new market uh, with Steve Cottrell, the president of Cura Leaf Arizona. Super excited to have you. How are you, Steve? Doing well. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, yeah good to have you. How's Arizona? <laughs> we, you... we talk at the same time. We're brothers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, good to have you, my friends. friends. Uh, yeah. So how's Arizona today? Where are you? Are you in Phoenix? Yeah, I'm in Phoenix. It's great here. It's 108 degrees outside. Uh, the heat just does not seem to let up. <laughs> that is that. impressive. 108 degrees. Yeah. Um, now, now you're, you look awesome, by the way. I love the haircut. I told Elliot he should do the same thing, but clearly he'd rather wear a hat. Um, Maybe I did. Tell that's it, why I'm wearing Exactly, Steve. right? <laughs> I wouldn't look um, as good as you. T tell us a little about you, man. I mean, Cureleaf is such a cool company, right? I'm always intrigued about the executives that they seem to be bringing in uh, who are some of the best in the industry. So I'd love to know a little bit more about you for the audience here. Well, thank you. Um, I started in the industry in 2010. I got- Whoa, into OG, uh, man. Wow, you don't hear that a lot. Yeah, I got into the industry through um, my 11-year-old son passed away from leukemia. Oh, man. Um, back in 1999. And that, uh, that spurred some questions of how can I affect this disease? Um, and through a lot of uh, research and uh, things like that, I, I discovered cannabis testing. And Arizona happened to be going medical. So I opened up the state's first medical cannabis testing laboratory in 2010. Wow. And I, I ran that for four years with my partner. And uh, four, year, four years into it, I sold the company to my partner and I got into the vape cartridge manufacturing business with alongside OpenVape out of Colorado. 
And um, we manufactured that product here in Colorado and here in Arizona for five years. A great, uh, great time, great opportunity, great product. Um, really believed in the things they were doing as far as um, the CO2 extraction versus hydrocarbon extraction. Um, things have come a long way since then. But at the time, it was state of the art and they were really moving forward and, and really pioneering this industry. Uh, shortly after that, I was able to purchase a dispensary. And that got me into the retail aspect of things, not just the wholesale end. And um, through my connections in Open Vape, I was able to meet a number of people that turned out to be the top executives at, at Paleotech, which today is now Cureleaf. And uh, working alongside of them for a number of years, um, they were uh, positioning themselves to purchase a number of assets in Arizona. And they came to me and asked if I was interested in coming and helping spearhead the operations here. And I was, I was honored beyond belief um, to have some of these people that uh, to ask me to be the face and the leader here in Arizona over the moon. So I gladly accepted. And in, I started about in 2018, end of 2017, running Paleotech here, which about eight months into it, we turned it into Cureleaf. And it's been, a, uh, it's been quite a ride since. We've grown the business from four dispensaries to nine, and we have a 10 store opening in Q1 of next year. Wow. Wow. So how long has Cureleaf been, been in Arizona? Uh, since Paleo 2018. Tech. Wow. That's yeah. impressive. That predates me at Benzinga. Um, fantastic. So, you know, I'm very interested, and we don't have to delve too deep, too deep into this uh, topic, but the research you found uh, for cannabis and cancer, you know, uh, I'm very interested to hear from you uh, how that drove you to cannabis, what you saw in cannabis. I mean, I don't want I don't want you to have to feel to belabor the point, but I'm super interested to hear your thoughts on it. So <clears throat> through social media outlets and um, some uh, other news outlets, I was I was able to find some stories about little children and how cannabis was affecting this disease and taking them from being very sick to much healthier. A little girl out in Oregon named Michaela was one of my biggest inspirations. She happened to have the same uh, leukemia that my son had who passed away from. And every morning, Michaela would go out in the morning and pull a bud off of the tree and her and her mom would juice it. And um, because it's THC acid, it's a non-psychoactive product that she was feeding her body every day. She's in remission. It put her into remission. The girl's in college today. Uh, she's doing fantastic wow. and completely symptom-free from cancer and leukemia. Wow. So that was the one that really, really, you know, slapped me in the back of the head and said, hey, you really need to take a look at this and see what is going on here. And, you know, cannabis is coming to Arizona. How are you going to be part of it? How are you going to help the community? Um, with this product. And that's how I got into it. You know, I, I, I we don't often get um, stories that hit so close to home like that, uh, Steve. So I, I want to say thank you for sharing that. And I also want to just say that it's for all those people out there who are still doubting this industry, right? It, it, it's not as if you know, we're, we're making unsubstantiated claims, right? And it's, it's not as if there's anything about what Steve just said or about what it, you can read it really anywhere on the internet about 
the, the, the really magical qualities of this plant, right? And the scientifically backed qualities of this plant, really, right? But it, it, what, what strikes me about what you just said, Steve, is that it led you to a personal decision to investigate the space. And now that space seems like it's, it, it's your life's work. Right. I don't I don't want to speak for you. Right. But no, it is. But it's become it's become a passion. Um, you know, the uh, when you when you see a patient come in and you see how this medicine is truly helping them and giving them the relief and taking them to the next steps in life where they're not using pharmaceutical drugs and they're really uh, they're bettering themselves with a natural holistic plant that's grown naturally. It's pretty, uh, pretty impactful and pretty powerful. Yeah, I I'd can love imagine. To, so, uh, you know, in terms of cure leaf, I, I mean, you, 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 you've been with them for three years now, maybe going on four. Uh, are they really starting to, are you starting to see what you want out of this cannabis industry and out of cure leaf in particular? Cure leaf in particular is an anomaly in this space, in my opinion. Um, we have some of the best top executives that, uh, that care whole, you know, wholeheartedly about this plant wholeheartedly about social justice and the the wrongdoings that the government has bestowed across our country over the years with putting people in jail for a pre-roll a gram of, of flour now we are um, we have a number of programs be noble is one where a gentleman um he was thrown in jail for a number of years for a pre-roll and um you know, we're, we're really embracing that and really trying to come bring these um, these issues out into the public light and let people know that, hey, you know, cannabis isn't a bad thing. Cannabis is actually a very helpful thing. Um, it's a wellness thing. Um, we have so many other intoxicants in our marketplace that are questionable in comparison to cannabis. Amen. Amen. So. If you don't mind, I'd love to ask you about the news that came out recently. Um, I saw on Marijuana Moment about the tax revenue from July uh, from adult use in Arizona was $21 million. A, $21 million. Yeah, I'd love your insights on if you like that number, if you wanted it to be better, you know, what you thought of that report, and B, where do we see that going maybe by end of 2021? Well, 20, uh, you know, $21 million for the month of July is astounding. Let me give you another fact. $5.5 million of that number came from the medical program where wow. adult use only contributed $4.4 million. So, and that included a 16% excise tax for adult use. So our medical program here in Arizona, which has been in place for 11 years is incredibly robust. It is very mature and it really speaks to speaks volumes to our medical program. Um, we're a state of almost 7.8 million people. We technically and theoretically should have <clears throat> a huge number for adult use. Um, but right now it's medical is leading the charge. Working with the department, uh, the uh, state regulators, they have said over the since uh, July, they have started to see a decrease in patient renewals. Um, two years ago in July, they went to a two-year medical card. And so this July was the year where they would start to see how many people were renewing their cards. And um, initial reports are it's getting it's going down, which isn't great, but uh, we'll see as the, as the year plays out exactly how the medical program continues to do. 
Well, it's that's impressive. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I think it's impressive to see that number specifically, right? And and you know that's what a lot of these these municipalities have been waiting for, right? What is the bottom line going to look like at the end of the day with the onset of of legalization and what it means for revenue for the state? job creation, all that kind of stuff, right? So it's exciting to see. I mean, overall, the cannabis market in Arizona, what grade would you give it right now, right? Maybe early innings, if we want to call it that. How do you think it's going? How would you grade its its success right now? It's pretty good. I, um, I'll be perfectly honest with you. We uh, is it is it what we thought it would be? No, we were expect we were really hoping for all 7.8 million people to flock to our doors and stand in lines and and see the see the chaos and craziness that we've seen in Colorado over the years and what we experienced in Nevada uh, that didn't happen here uh, there were a number of contributing factors uh, COVID was alive and very well sure. here in Arizona at the time in addition we were supposed to have this program adult use was supposed to happen in April 5th ish around then our state regulators were so on top of this program they launched adult use January 22nd Okay. That's a big difference. <laughs> Huge. Nobody saw that one coming. So, so were you prepared? I mean, did you have the prepared. product? I mean, yeah, you're uh, if I'm assuming you were prepared. <laughs> we yeah. were prepared. Uh, yeah, we had a little bit of a, uh, you know, we had, we had heard rumors. And so, you know, current uh, environment, we just decided to up some of our orders and really kind of stock up on some products that had a year long shelf life that had really robust shelf life. So, we could allow it to sit if need be. We didn't need to. Um, the program happened Jan- January 22nd, and and we did see the lines uh, since then. The lines, and we also have the heat. You know, historically in Arizona, people don't come out when it's 120 degrees or 110 degrees and stand in line. Yeah, so, listen, man, I don't blame them. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Arizona right now we're experiencing the winter, the winter break that they'll see on the East Coast. You know, where people don't want to go out in the snow. We experienced that for four months of the year in Arizona because of the heat. Man. So, I mean, looking at like other states, I mean, I'm sure you're connected, given that Cureleaf is an MSO. So we we talked about New Jersey uh, at the start of the show, and there's a lot of discussion around New Jersey right now, uh, including Arizona and New Mexico. um, But New Jersey specifically, um, several people are criticizing it. Uh, what could New Jersey do differently or or could they emulate anything that Arizona has done um, in order to benefit their, their recreational out uh, going their pedal sure. to the grindstone? So, oh, God, almighty. I, I feel the East Coast should probably take a tour of the West Coast um, before uh, before Nevada went medical. Um, all of those lawmakers came to Arizona to see what the product, see what the program was like. They sat down at our legislature. They worked with this. They talked to dispensary owners. They talked to testing companies, myself. And we went through the whole thing and kind of gave them a complete uh, overview and landscape of what the Arizona market was like. They took those learnings back to Nevada and started to create a program. They went to Oregon. um, They went around the country and to Colorado learning before they decided to create a program. And I that that's the way to do it. The East Coast, I think personally, is a little bit uh, they what they say goes and it's a little they're, they're very myopic in their, their vision. And I think they should look outside of their own state and understand what works in certain states and what work doesn't work in other states. I think it, personally, Arizona has the best program in the country. 
Um, we have a great partnership with the regulators. Um, they look at Arizona, or they look at the, the dispensary industry as their partners. Um, they fine us, they punish us when we do wrong, but they're very, very uh, forthcoming. They're very, um, they're very understanding and they work with us, which is great. And, and what I hear from other states in our network, that's not the same thing they experience. So the department here has looked at us as a partnership and instead of a dictatorship, like you see in some of the other states on the East Coast. You know, I, I want to get to Zach's question here in a second, because mm-hmm. um, I think that's a good one. But I, I want to flip the script a second. While we're talking about other states as it compares to Arizona, right? What about some of the states we rarely talk about, like a Texas or an Ohio, right, where they're really trying to ramp up awareness of a medical program and get more people involved, right? I mean, you were in Arizona from what seems like the beginning uh, of, of that program, right? So, so what do those states need to be doing? Um, if you've been following it, do you think that they're on the right track? Do you think they really need to revamp? What's, yeah, where, where could they go right? I know right a little bit about Ohio. Uh, Ohio, you know, they've, been in, they've had a medical program now for about eight, 18 months. Uh, it's coming along slowly. I think there's some things they could to do and make it better. But I think as adult use approaches, they will take some of the uh, their learnings and make that a much more robust program. With te- in regards to Texas, Texas is a CBD state, so they've got the op- they you know they've been really building a, a robust program for CBD, Delta Eight, a number of the things that come with the hemp products. Um, if they take their learnings and they if they look outside of their state at what other states have done. I think they potentially could have an amazing program. Texas is a monster. It's it's huge in comparison. I hear, I hear everything is huge in Texas. Yeah, yeah, that's what I hear that's too. Kind of their thing. You make fun of me, Pat. I know. <laughs> I know. But Texas, it's 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 its own. So the the way I think about the U.S., especially when I think about cannabis markets, right? It mimics who we are as people. It's such a beautiful and weird hodgepodge of different ideologies as a, as as they compare to one another across the the country, right? And Texas is clearly doing its own thing, right? Which could be great for them, at least what I'm hearing from you, Steve. They've got an opportunity to have an amazing program there. I mean, the real estate, the the vast area of the state is, it's huge. So, um, and, you know, having the hemp program and CBD program that they have right now, um, there's a very limited number of manufacturers and retails there. So they have an opportunity to build something pretty special. I, I just hope that they look to other states for guidance, um, learn from our mistakes so that they're able to do it better. Interesting. So I know Cureleaf wants to be everywhere um, when it's all said and done. <laughs> but uh, what are your, what, does Cureleaf have activations in Texas? We don't need to belabor this because I know you're Arizona. I don't want to talk about Arizona, but I'm curious. Not yet. We do have a number of executives that live in Texas, so I know that this is definitely on their radar. So uh, Texas is definitely going to be one of the areas uh, that we have set up shop in for sure. Cool. Thank you. On top of that, we're going across the world. So you know, we are uh, with EMAC. Um, we are now a European company. We are truly an international company. And it is, uh, boy, what an exciting company to be with at this time right now. I got to be honest. Yeah. We had yeah, Antonio no at our last virtual event in uh, June. 
and it was super interesting to hear the evolution of CBD and, and brands um, internationally and purely taking part in that. Um, yeah. I'd love to get to Zach's question, uh, Patrick, if you don't mind. Um, uh, Aaron, if you could throw that up on the screen, it says, I'd like to know if Steve thinks cultivation has a future in Arizona as interstate commerce eventually becomes permitted. And feel free to break this down, Steve, if you want, uh, in terms of address uh, interstate commerce first, if you want. Well, interstate commerce, we'll see. You know, I think each state is going to have a different outlook on whether they want to be shipping in product from other states. Uh, I think that part of it is, is truly going to be to the governor and to the state regulators, whether they're going to allow that. Um, the is if, if Arizona allows interstate commerce and we're able to ship our flour out of state, I can't I, I i don't know personally if arizona people is going to be as desirable of a product uh in comparison to say an organ flower or something that's you know got the um legendary persona of this is you know humboldt grown or yeah. grown arizona historically you don't hear about it. i can't wait to get that arizona weed um, I have to say we have some of the best weed in the state. I would, I would put it up against some of the best weed in the country. Um, but again, Arizona is the desert. Uh, we utilize a ton, a tons and tons of air conditioning to make quality flour. And uh, water is scarce in the desert as well. So we need to be mindful of how much water we use and really articulate or tweak our growing techniques so that we're not just huge water users so no, that's an interesting all... yeah go ahead sorry go ahead, go ahead. no I'm just, I'm just curious in terms of the real estate and, and the investments into that market is that something you're starting to think about now well we have a lot of there's a lot of real estate in arizona that have cultivations on it i think we're almost 10 million square feet of cultivation at this time uh, of canopy across the state we have greenhouses that are a million square feet now we don't own those but personally, we have uh, we have 140,000 square feet worth of cultivation in Arizona, and um, you know more and more more and more cultivation and capacity is coming online right now as we speak. Adult use has really sent a a flurry of people coming to the state and building cultivations. Interesting. Okay. Well, Zach, there's your answer, man. I think that there's. There's, there's a lot of things that could happen with interstate commerce, and definitely Steve is alluding to some of that, but who knows? Maybe Arizona weed will win the win the day. You never know. You may. may. You never <laughs> I, know. I can tell you we have some amazing cultivators in this state, that, um, and, and some of them work for Cure Leaf as well. So we have, uh, we have some great products, but uh, knowing that we are a drought-ridden state and um, – you know, there's certain things we need to be mindful of environmentally when we're growing where, say, Oregon doesn't need to be mindful of that because the water just comes down and it's there. Steve, while we have you, I'd love to get your opinion on something. Um, you know, we I, I'm happy to be proven wrong here, but earlier we we're talking about brands and, and the uh, importance of them, not the importance, rather, but the success of them currently. So obviously there's cookies. And then there's everybody else. So everybody else right now is the what I'm centering this question around. Are brands overall driving uh, consumers to you? Are, are they as important now uh, as they will be in five years? I, I'm curious where you think brands are in this industry right now. 
I would say yes. Um, we do have quite a, a, a religious following for um, certain vape cartridges, the Select brand. I was going to um, say, Select is really popular. Yeah, incredibly popular. Our number one, number one cartridge coming out of our company all day, and nobody comes close right now. Uh, select the quality and, and you know their their innovations of the next things they're coming out are just awesome to see um, we are definitely they you know they are definitely leading the charge in innovation and technology right now for cannabis edibles cannabis tech um, vape cartridges and things like that you know flour is a different um, animal um, cookies is you know cookies and I guess a uh, uh, jungle boys out of um, California as well they have a quite a religious following and people flock to those brands i think a lot of it has to do with the people behind the brand um you know you have burner at, at cookies and he's um quite a a personality and people really embrace him mm -hmm. so um a lot of that has to do with that you know i think that there's other brands out there that grow better flour um they're just not as well known well Scott, uh, would you steve welcome partnerships like that in Arizona, right? Is there anything that you're, you're either thinking about, looking at, um, or, or wouldn't mind happening? Yeah, say, well, absolutely. Say it came down the we pipe. do do that. Yeah, we do that currently. We have brands like Grassroots Flower. Uh, oh, for sure. Top Shelf Flower. We have brands like uh, 22 Red. That's another great product. That's from uh, the bass guitarist of uh, Shavo from uh, System of a Down. Uh, really nice product. Um, you know, there's some uh, nectar is another product here in Arizona that just really drives the crowd wild when we have it in stock. So uh, definitely something we're always interested in. You know, we always could use a good quality flower um, and, and variation. You know, um, our, our at a certain point, people want to try something new and we want to be that company that offers those offerings to them. It's super interesting. I appreciate you going into that because brands I find are a consistent discussion right now. Uh, and I, I've heard other operators say they don't think brands or celebrities are really important. So it's interesting to hear your, your insight on that and understand from you what's successful for your, for your company. Well, historically, I ha we haven't really seen um, brands with celebrities attached to them explode quite like we've seen with cookies. Um, that is a brand that's done quite well for themselves and continues to, you know, really drive market share for their flower. Um, now they're not making, you know, certain stores with cookies products. Now they're just making cookie stores. Um, that, that's pretty profound. So Steve, uh, before we wrap up here, can you, uh, where, where can they reach you? Uh, if our investors have any questions, I think there is there an IR website. Can they come visit your dispensary and say, Hey, uh, Absolutely, yeah. where can we find you? We're in Arizona. Uh, you know, the um, we're all over Arizona. You know, nine nine locations right now, and it, the we're easy to get a hold of. Come in and ask for Steve, and typically, I you know I can get you can get a phone number from me or a, a email address. My email address is steve.cottrell at cureleaf.com, and um, yeah, I'm easy to get a hold of and uh, happy to help. Hey, thanks so much for being here, Steve. Super insightful. We got to get you back, my friend. And thanks so much for that uh, very personal story you gave us as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time, gentlemen. You have a great it's, show. It's and our I really pleasure. appreciate being part of it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. You have a great day, man. And we'll be rooting for you. 
Thank you. I appreciate all of you coming. Aaron Thomas, producer. Thanks, guys. Great day. Bye-bye, everyone. could save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive, but when we just come out and say it, it feels like it falls a bit flat. So instead, we're going to hire a professional voice actor and pay him absurd amounts of money to say, I like this product. Hmm, not sure why that was better. I mean, I'm a professional too, but we didn't pay him to say the business part, so back to me. Save big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. Sorry, I know hearing me say it was a bit of a letdown. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations. When your life depends on it, when everything is on the line, you've got to get real about addiction treatment. Only Karen offers 65 years of medical expertise in evidence-based treatment with real proven results. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. So if you're ready for something real, visit caron.org slash real today. Karen. Real results, real care, real about recovery.